the place between two places. Everyone say, the place between two places. If you've got a Bible, um, you can look it up. If you've got a Bible app, uh, it's out of Genesis chapter 11. And I'll read you a couple of scriptures, give you a bit of background, and then uh, head into the message. So in verse 27, it says, Terah became the father of Abram. So it's Abraham in the Old Testament. Terah became his father. Nahor and Haran. Haran became the father of Lot. Blah, 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 blah. It goes on and on and on. Verse 31, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, who becomes Sarah, the wife of his son Abram. Together they set out from the Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. So they're in Ur, over here, living, doing their thing. If you read later on in the story, it says God calls Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldeans, if you know the story. And it says, I'm calling you to a place that I'm taking you to, which was Canaan. So he's in Ur. God calls him out to go to Canaan. So they head off in obedience to God. They head off, as it says there. Uh, verse 12, the Lord said to Abram, leave your country, your people and your fathers and go to the land I will show you. So they're heading off to Canaan. In verse uh, 31, uh, towards the end, it says, together they set out for Ur of Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Everyone say Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. So they're in Ur. God calls them out to go to Canaan. They head out. They head towards where God's called them to be, the promised land, if you, the place where he's called them to be, the thing they, that they've been called to do. And on the way to Canaan, it says they go through Haran and they settled there. So, the re, so my message is called the place between two places, the place that you're called out of, the place that you were in, towards the place that you were called to go to, and in the middle is the place between two places. In the Christian life, it is very easy to settle between the two places. You get called out of a place to go somewhere, to do something, to be part of something in your journey with God, and you're heading towards it. And on that journey, you come to a place called Haran. And in that place, there's a temptation on the inside to go, you know what? This is good enough. This is enough. So Terah took his, his son Abraham, Lot, his daughter-in-law, and then they came and they, they settled there. Um, and just as Abraham, who represents the believer, the father of faith, went through this process, so also we, as we are called into a promised land, into a place that God has called us, a, a thing that he's called us to do as a church, as individuals, into that promised land, that we get to a place where we go, you know what, I think, I think this is enough. Um, and so I don't know about you, but I know in, in my own heart at different times that, that you know, I've been following the Lord since I was 17, so 30 years now, and uh, walking with God, believing, um, seeing great things happen. Um, but it's very easy when you've been doing it for a while, even in your own heart, to go, you know what, I'm happy with this. It's not what God said would happen. It's not where he called me to be, but it's not where I was either. And I've come so far and so many great things have happened. And I know it's not everything God wants me to have. I know it's not the best, but 
it's okay. In our own heart, we, we begin to settle for second best. We begin to settle for what we have right now because, you know, we think of the journey to get to this place. We think of what it's going to take to get into that promised land, to take a hold of all the promises that God has. And, and we think, you know what, this, this is going to be enough. And I don't know about you, but it's very easy to get tempted to settle, to settle in Haran, to think this is okay. And every one of us goes through that process. Every one of us gets to that point, whether it's through discouragement, you know, you, you settle out, you, you head out, you're full of faith, full of vision, you're believing that these great things are going to happen. And in that journey, walking with God, stuff happened that you never anticipated, never expected, didn't have planned, wasn't in the schedule, wasn't part of the, wasn't part of the five-year plan, didn't have it itemized, wasn't on the to-do list. It just happened. And you had to deal with it. You had to work through it. And in that journey, you go through and, and you work through these things and, and, you, and you get to the point where you think, you know what, I've, this, is, this is good enough. What I've got is good enough. In your marriage, you can say, oh, this, this is good enough. In your family, in your business, in, in your Christian walk, it's, it's, good, it's good enough. I know it's not all that God wants me to have, but it's some of what God wants me to have. And I'm going to settle here. I'm satisfied. I'm not fully satisfied, but I'm satisfied enough to think, you know what, this is okay for my life. And, you know, in our heart, we, God has created us to be satisfied in Him when His purposes and plans begin to come to pass in our life. So there's something in our heart that is constantly needing satisfaction. We're never satisfied. We're, we're never fully happy with what we have. You know, we get something and then we... It's, we're happy with it for a while and then, then we want more then we desire more and advertisers know this advertisers are acutely aware of our own insecurities and our own you know issues with needing security and significance and value and purpose so every product every advertiser is bringing a product they're not talking about that product they're talking about how that product's going to make you feel that's how they do it if you if you drink Gatorade, then you'll be like a real athlete. Even if you're drinking it while you're sitting on the couch watching the football. But just the fact that you've got Gatorade, you know, you're going to feel like an athlete. If you win lotto, you know, if you're going to spend the rest of your life. Imagine just having more money that you could ever spend and how awesome that's going to make you feel how happy and satisfied you're going to be that's the pitch or if you drive a bmw now i'd love to drive a bmw but but the, the way advertisers present if it's a mercedes if it's a range rover if it's a bmw if it's a lexus whatever it is if you drive that car you've arrived you know you're significant you're you've got value and not everybody that buys those cars is feeling that, but that's, that's the pitch because they know we're insecure. They know that we are looking for satisfaction in our life and, and we're never going to actually get that because we get that car or we get that BMW. Then you've got to service it. You've got to sell one of your children every time you take it to, the, to get it serviced. <laughs> um, and so we get that car, we get that new car. And then, you know, we drive it for a little while. 
we smell the leather. Oh, this is awesome, you know. And, and then after a while, it's like, well, oh, no, I want the car that that guy's driving. This, I'm not happy with this anymore. Um, or we, you know, if only I get that house. Oh, once I get my own home, then I'm going to be satisfied. Is there any problem with having our own home? Absolutely not. Is it a great thing to, to want and achieve? Yeah, for sure, if that's what you want. But if we're thinking that if we get that house, then we're going to be satisfied in our life. The problem is you, you get that house and you get in there and then you're maintaining it and then you've got it for a while and it's awesome and then you start looking at someone else's house. And you think, well, I don't want to live in this box. I want to live in their box. <laughs> and so we're ne- we are never satisfied and we never will be satisfied because in our hearts we're, we're being created by God to only find our satisfaction in Him. Things are never going to satisfy us. They're great to have. God says he gives us everything to enjoy. But if we think that they're going to give us a sense of significance, that we're going to get our value, that that we're going to be happy in this place, short of what God is calling us to, then we're actually going to be disappointed at some point. They're never going to completely satisfy us. They're never going to keep us happy. I love the line out of uh, Rocky. Who's seen Rocky? Rocky won, that tremendous philosopher, Rocky Balboa. <laughs> you know, he's up there with Aristotle, Socrates, Euripides, Rocky. <laughs> one of those famous well, Italian philosophers. Anyway, he says this. It's one of the best lines of the movie, Rocky number one. And it's, he's, he's dealing with his inner demons. He's dealing with this sense of, why am I doing this? What's this all about? And Adrian's called him on it, and he says this. Oh, come on, Adrian. <laughs> Is that it? Does that sound like this? Close your eyes. You just, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> Adrian! <laughs> it's true. He says, I was nobody. But that don't matter now. Because I was, I was thinking, it really don't matter if I lose this fight. Because all I want to do is go the distance. Nobody's ever gone the distance with Creed. And if I go the distance, you see, and that bell rings and I'm still standing, I'm going to know for the first time in my life, see, that I want just another bum from the neighborhood. I wasn't just another bum. If I can just go the distance, if I can just be standing in that bell, when that bell goes and I'm still standing, I'm going to know that I'm not just a bum. I'm going to know that, that I am somebody. So he's dealing with this whole issue of significance, value, purpose. It's, it's, it's the human question. And the reality is he wins that fight, but it doesn't solve his problem because you've got Rocky 2, Rocky 3, Rocky 4, Rocky 5. And he's dealing with the same issues all the way through about his, his significance, his sense of value and purpose and where he's from. And it's, it's the same thing we all deal with. That's the thing. If I get that house, you know, like he's is about winning this fight. If I can just win, if I can just get this house, then I'm going to know that I'm somebody, that I am, that I've achieved something with my life. If I can just drive that car, then I am going to know that I've arrived, that I've achieved something. If I, if I just get that PhD, if I just, if I just build that business, if I get that million dollars, if I, if I live in that big house, I'm going to know. I'm going to know that I'm not just a bum from the neighborhood. 
I'm going to know that what they said about me is not true. I'm going to know. And the reality is those things are never going to answer the true questions, the, the, the true uh, issues of our heart because the Bible says that only Jesus Christ is going to bring satisfaction to the fractured nature of our heart, our sense of insecurity and, and need for significance and value and purpose in life. And so we head out, we get called out of earth. We have an encounter with Christ. He calls us into an incredible place. He begins to move in our heart. We begin to run or to walk and move towards what he's called us. And then we're dealing with all these other things going on. And we get to the point where, you know, uh, um, we get to Haran and we go, you know what? I think I'll just settle here. Abraham settled in Haran on his way to Canaan. The word settle means to sit down in the original language, if you, if you look, at it, look it up. Uh, it just means to, to sit down. You know, you could, be, you could be standing on the outside. There's a story about a boy who was a bit naughty in his class and his teacher told him, I want you to go stand in the corner. And anyway, he stands in the corner. He's standing there. Everyone else is sitting down. And he says to the teacher, you know, I might be standing on the outside, but I'm sitting on the inside. We could have that same attitude. We're, we're going through the motions. We're doing the stuff. We, we're saying all the right words. But in our heart, we've sat down. We've sat down on the inside. And we're just going through the motions. We're going to church. We might be doing bits and pieces. But on the inside, we've stopped believing. We've stopped pressing. We've stopped stepping out. We've stopped reaching. We've stopped reaching for what God's got for our life. And we've gone, you know what? I'm just, I'm just here. I'm just, I'm just, I'm settled. And God wants you to, to, he wants to unsettle you this morning. And on the inside again, you know what? I want you to reach for Canaan. I do not want you to settle in Haran. I do not want you to say, this is enough. I've, I've got enough right now. I've done enough right now. Even though I'm not where I could be, I'm not where I was. I'm in Haran. And I'm okay with that. And Abraham was in that place. And God says, no, I've got more for you. Everything in Abraham's life, all the promises that I talked about in Hebrews chapter 11, if you know the story of Abraham that's repeated, everything that God was to do was yet to happen in Abraham's life. He was yet to get to Canaan. He was yet to have his son, Isaac. He was yet to see God revealed to him as El Shaddai, God Almighty, who moved incredibly in his life. All those promises were yet to happen in his life. Imagine if he had it just settled in, in Haran. We wouldn't be reading about him in the Bible. Imagine all the things that God has still in store for your life, for my life, on the other side of where we are right now. All the promises, the blessings, the, the incredible impact that we can have in people's lives, the influence that we can generate as individuals as a church as we continue to press as we continue to rest to reach out continue to press in to push forward rather than just sitting down on the inside and and going through the motions of our christian faith there's a museum in italy it's dedicated to the unfinished works of michelangelo do you know it's 
a museum that's just it's just dedicated to his unfinished work he finished less than half of the statues he started my michelangelo less than half of the ones he started he finished uh, and you can go there you can look around many blocks of stone part completed you might see a leg an arm bits and pieces of things that he started and just left um, and it's like a monument to the unfulfilled potential and possibilities of what many consider the greatest renaissance genius the world has ever seen and, you know oftentimes in our own life we can start things and because you know Michelangelo was incredibly volatile individual and he'd start things and leave them and he was he was a genius and yet oftentimes in our own life also we we start something God says I want you to do this I'm calling you into that and we start it and then we just stop it because it gets too hard it gets too difficult we get too busy whatever and, and then we can have a monument of unfinished callings and purposes and 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 things that God has asked us to do in our life just all around there's that that I started that I didn't finish and yes there's some things that we did do and 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 things that we did achieve which is awesome um but God calls us to do certain things and the last thing we want to do is 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 settle in Haran and not see the finished product not see what impact those things can happen if we actually finish them off Philip Brooks who was a famed Episcopal pastor in the 19th century he said this sad is that day for any man when he becomes satisfied with the life that he is living the thoughts that he is thinking and the deeds that he is doing until there ceases to be forever beating at the door of his soul a desire to do something larger which is which he seeks and knows he was meant and intended to do i love that and that that is the the challenge with every believer with every christian with every person to to settle and he says sad is the day when when there's no longer that beat in the heart to to be to see more lives touched and changed to see a bigger impact for the kingdom of god to have a greater influence because of what god has done in our own life paul harvey says you know when you're on the road to success you know when you're on the road to success it's uphill all the way adversity is not your greatest enemy adversity is something is sometimes the thing that god uses to bring out the greatest things he puts into us the greatest enemy is lethargy not adversity where we just go you know what I've, I've had enough uh i'll finish with this quote and then uh, we'll pray so adversity we think oh i've got this challenge i've got this circumstance that that that's not the biggest challenge um in fact it's those things that often bring out the best in us and uh this quote says lock a man in prison and you have john bunyan raise him in abject poverty and you've got an abraham lincoln subject him to bitter religious prejudice and you've got a benjamin disraeli strike him down with paralysis and you have a franklin d roosevelt have them born black in a society filled with racial discrimination you have a booker t washington and a martin luther king make a man from 
make, make a man the first child to survive in a poor Italian family of 18 and you have Enrico Caruso. Have him born to parents who survived the Nazi concentration camp, paralyzed him from the waist down when he's four years old and you have the incomparable violinist, Itzhak Perlman. Call a man a slow learner, mentally challenged and unteachable and you have an I Albert Einstein. Helen Keller was born blind to death, yet she gra graduated college with the highest honours and impact impacted the world. So many stories of people who have overcome adversity and have done incredible things. And not that we are to compare ourselves to these people, but the question I have for you this morning, what is it that God asked you to do? Where did he ask you to go? What's that Canaan? For you and are you still honestly in your heart pursuing it or have you got part way and sat down thinking uh, I think I've done enough because the best is yet to come the biggest impact the greatest promises as Abraham learnt as you read the story the biggest promises of God and the greatest incredible um, workings through his life were on the other side of Haran. They were in Canaan. Canaan is where the miracles are. Canaan is where the promises are fulfilled. Canaan, that promised land, is where we meet with God and discover truly who he is. I want to encourage you this morning. If you feel like maybe I'm in the place between two places, and, you know, I'm tempted just to relax, just settle down. It doesn't mean we need to burn ourselves out. It doesn't mean we need to exhaust ourselves. But in the, on the inside, are we like, God, I'm still reaching for you. I'm still hungry for you. I still want to see your glory come through my life. I still want to see lives change. I still want to see church grow and expand and touch lives. I still want to see people come to Christ and and I'm hungry. I'm hungry. Why don't we all stand this morning? Father, I thank you, Lord. That